The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Gregorides. Today's guest is an absolutely wonderful person. It's a very close friend of mine, Mr. Johnny Jen, also known as Johnny FD Online. Johnny is one of the original founders, or I'd say original pioneers of the digital nomad movement. For those of you unfamiliar with digital nomadism, it's basically a group of people who have figured out how to use technology to create passive income streams and location independent lifestyles. So basically they figure out that they can run businesses online and work from anywhere they choose. And Johnny was one of the first people to really dive into this and build a community around it. And uh, one of the things I absolutely love and admire about Johnny is that he had the courage to change his life and find the path to liberation. He had a very successful career in Los Angeles. He was an executive. He had a bunch of fast cars and a nice home. And he really felt that it was just soulless and empty and that it was destroying him, eating away at him from the inside. And so he went on a vacation to Thailand and realized how much he loved it and basically just never came back. I mean, I think he came back to collect some of his belongings and stuff like that but and, and tie up some loose ends. But then he, he went back and he spent, he's been since then traveling the world uh, never staying in one place for more than a specific amount of time. He's created a, a digital nomad summit that happens each year. He's created online dropshipping businesses. He became a scuba diving instructor. He fought Muay Thai in Thailand. When we recorded this, he was in Georgia and not like Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking like Eastern Europe. And he's just one of those people who he just carved out the lifestyle he wanted. And, you know, I was with Johnny during some of the dark times when he was trying to get his business off the ground and he was trying to figure this whole thing out. And he was, he was really in a dark place. He was broke. You know, he's living in some little shithole room in Thailand, you know, just, he didn't really know what was going to happen, but he, he stayed focused on his vision and he built something really amazing for himself. And that's one of the things I admire and respect about him. And he's got so much to teach us. And, uh, he really is a cool dude. I, I hope you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Before we start, I want to remind you guys that I am doing one-to-one private coaching and uh, I've been helping a lot of men since the start of the year when I began this initiative. There's now been 10 people who've been through the program and they've all had absolutely phenomenal results. I mean, it's actually blown me away how how good it's been. It's exceeded even my expectations. And uh, if you're a man who is just wanting to level up in all er areas of your life, including your career and work, relationships, and your spiritual, mental, and physical health, I'm pretty sure I can help you. Also, if you have climbed to the top of your specific mountain and you found that it is not what you wanted it to be or what you expected it to be, and you're looking for something a little bit deeper and a little bit more out of life, I can definitely help you with that too. If you're interested in my coaching services, head on over to liberationmentor.com and you can watch a video I've put up there and apply directly to have a free clarity call with me. Okay, guys, let's dive into this new episode with Johnny Jen. 
Hey, brothers, special treat for you today. A very long-term close friend of mine, Johnny FD, who is, when I set out to start the Liberation Mentor Project, I modeled it on a, a few people, and Johnny is one of them. He has really found liberation in his life, and uh, I know he's got some cool stuff to share with us today. Johnny, my man, how, how are you? And really good. And it is crazy how long we've known each other now. Yeah, it's been a while, right? What is it, 10, 12 years? Yeah. Like, I think somebody asked me the other day if I'm still friends with people I knew from like middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I guess a few of them. But, you know, we were like really, it, we've grown so far apart just because, you know, I've been traveling so much. I've been, you know, I haven't lived in San Francisco in 15 or 20 years, you know, because I went to school in LA and then I moved to Thailand. And I also realized that, People that we knew when we were young, it's good that we have all the time to, you know, to kind of get to know each other. So you have that bond. But at the same time, we, we were really only friends with them because they happened to, to live in the same area sure. or went to the same school as us. Like the people I think that we choose to keep in touch in our, our adult lives after college, those are, you know, in a sense, kind of a deeper relationship because we don't have to see them again. We don't have to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. But we choose to. Yeah, it ties into an expression I heard, which is do not mistake history for connection. I think that's often what happens is people think, oh, like we we go back a long time. So I've got to be friends with them, even though there's no real connection there anymore. I I, I don't want to say lost because it sounds like he died, but I I guess I lost a really close friend from, from college. He was my college roommate. And we were like, you know, like really, really close for so many years. And in the last, I would say about two years ago, you know, he had come to visit me in, in Bangkok and Thailand. He was doing Muay Thai out there and he <laughs> loved it. I mean, he loved Muay Thai more than I did. And I was living in a Muay Thai gym, <laughs> but you know, he was living yeah, in yeah. LA, but he would follow everything online. He knew every, you know, fighter's name. He knew the history. He knew everything. Sure. And I was living in the gym, but honestly, I, I didn't really know much about the politics of it or even the names of all the fighters. I just liked doing it. And he finally, you know, after years and years, went to Thailand, kind of fulfilled his dream of living and training for, for a month. And then he was going to go home. And I said to him, I was like, hey, man, like, just stay. You know, you really love it here. You have no reason to go home. You don't, you don't have a good job. I mean, he was, you know, basically working at his parents' restaurant or you know, he had a, some kind of remittable job. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't have a girlfriend. He didn't have any real reason to be, to be back. And I was like, look, you can just live here. You can probably earn enough money just, you know, teaching English online or doing something mm-hmm. and you can live your dream. And I said, dude, just fucking do it. Sure. And he wouldn't do it. He just w- refused yeah. get all yeah. these excuses. I mean, and a big excuse was, you know, not having like the money for it. And I was like, dude, that's BS because it's so cheap to live in Thailand compared to living in LA. And he spends so much money on just, you know, on crap. And I, and I got so annoyed that I actually ranted about him for about an hour on my podcast. Yeah. He heard it and immediately was like, Johnny, I can't believe you did that. We're not friends anymore. Sure. And at the time I apologized, felt bad, you know, cause you know, I, I know it's not nice to talk about people, but I was so frustrated because for years I was trying to get him to do, you know, what he, I knew he would make him happy. Mm-hmm. And he finally got a glimpse of it. He finally had a chance and he just went back to his normal life. And I was yeah. so annoyed. And it's been two years and I was really surprised. He actually 
never reached back out to me. He never answered my messages. And I mean, I would happily take, you know, not take him back as a friend because in my mind, he's still a friend. But it's kind of sad that, you know, he's out of my life. But at the same time, I realized that there's, besides having a friendship, you know, and just having history, there's not really a big reason to keep him in my life, especially if he has that mentality. True. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, as, as I'm getting, I'm getting older now and you, you start to realize that what you thought was wisdom was just knowledge, you know, just information. And that wisdom is something that comes with maturity and, and tribulation and life experience. And one of the pieces of wisdom that I'm finally starting to realize is that when you can't be friends with everyone, you, you, you're never going to do, you're never going to have a great life if you go through it without making at least a couple of not necessarily enemies, but having a few people who, who don't like you or a few people who don't agree with you, you cannot please everyone, dude. It's just, that's a recipe for, for a really boring middling life is trying to please everyone. Yeah. And maybe that's just something we have to accept is it doesn't always work out. You know, I, I look at some close friendships in my life, um, especially over the last couple of years and just realize that, yeah, like it just didn't work, dude. It just did. We, we, we gave it our all, but it just didn't work. And it's, it's part of growing up is realizing that sometimes that happens, dude. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I actually noticed that as people get older, especially as men get older, they become more kind of set in their ways with everything. And it could just be like, like, no, I don't like going out after 9 p.m. You know, and in the beginning, when I was young, I was thinking, come on, man, just like make an exception. You know, it's gonna be a good party. Let's go, you know, like, oh, you're just acting like some old fart. And I used to really look down mm -hmm. on it. But now that I'm a bit older, I also realize, you know what? I really don't like going out late. I like sleeping early. I like sure. waking up early. I don't care what this you know, 22-year-old says. I don't care if I'm potentially missing out on a cool party. There's so many good parties in the world. And I'm, I'm really, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I know I'm not missing out because there's so many other things to do. And now that I've kind of figured out who I am, what I like, what I am willing to put up with, what I'm not willing to put up with, I'm happier. But also the people who are in my life are happier because... It's not that constant, like, you know, uh, pulling of trying to figure out, like, you know, trying to get people to do something kind of almost against their will and make, make sure. a big deal. That, that what you brought up, that, that fear of missing out, you know, that's, it's tied into the, this understanding that I've, I've, I've come to, which is, that is closely related to the fear of what, what others think of you or the concern of what others think of you, you know, and I really believe I put a, a meme up on the Facebook page by one of those, um, an Osho quote about, um, he basically says like, uh, the greatest fear in the, in the world is the fear of others. And once you overcome that fear, that's when life truly opens up for you. And I think that so many of us are conditioned into needing the approval of society and others in particular, when it comes to, our financial status and our career status, you know, uh, your buddy who, who didn't want to leave. I'm guessing a part of it, the part of what played into that was he was like, no, I've got a steady job and I have a house and a car and like, I'm a productive member of society, you know, and like, and what will people think of me? What will my parents think of me if I, if I tell them I'm turning my back on this and, and heading out to Thailand and I think as a man, if you want to to really live an exciting, 
passionful, connected life. You have to come to the place within yourself where you don't, it's not necessarily that you don't care because all of us care, right? Like no one likes to be thought of poorly or for people to, to not, um, appreciate them or for people to badmouth them, but you have to get to a point where you're okay with it. Right. You have to get to a point where you, where you're like, I can handle it. This dude's saying shitty stuff about me online. That's okay. That's his deal. I'm just going to move forward and do my thing. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and that's actually been one of the best ways to get over the negativity online. Because as soon as you put yourself out there, I mean, for me, I have my YouTube channel, my podcast, the Nomad Summit. And as I got more popular online, the more people came out of left, left field, you know, saying like, oh, you know, this guy's XYZ or like, you know, uh, working online doesn't work or, you know, more sure. time doesn't work or like whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. you know, I used to defend it. I used to reply to everyone. I used to think like, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're right. And now I realize, you know what, as long as I'm doing what I know is a good thing for myself and message is helping others, let's ignore these naysayers and focus on the positive people because they're the ones that really matter. Sure. That's, that's been a big, big theme for me as well, Johnny. I appreciate you bringing it up is I've become ruthless when it comes to positivity, you know, and I know there are negative things in the world and I know that there are there's dark places and people and that you can't just move through life being naive to those things. But, uh, I think Anthony Robbins said that the most valuable things in his life now are states of mind or mental states, you know, positive mental states. And for me, man, I, I want to feel good and I want to bring good things into the world. And I want to, I can't do that if there's negativity in my life, you know, and, and, if if I'm at this point now, if you bring any kind of negativity in my, into my life, if you make me feel bad about something, or if you judge me harshly, or or you know insult me, I just cut you out, man. Because that that these states that I'm creating, which I really believe are the key to getting what you want, is to is to energetically becoming, putting yourself into a positive vibration. That is the most one of the most valuable things, and that's the thing I'm working so hard to cultivate. So if you if you're gonna compromise that, I haven't got time for you, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just not nah, you're out. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And one thing I actually been wanting to do is just to write like one blog post instead of having to bring it up all the time. Just one blog post with the title saying like, "I'm not delusional. I just you know, and I know there's bad things in the world. I know there's downsides to everything. I know there's you know." just choose to not focus on that. Yeah. And like, basically anytime someone brings something up, like, and you know, they won't shut up about it. I'll link them to that blog post. And at the end of it, it'll say, you know, it'll basically say, I, I recognize like, you know, that there, there are downsides to things and there's neg- you know, there's negativity, but I'm just choosing to, to focus on the positive. And here's why. Sure. And I appreciate you bringing that, bringing that up because I've, I think about a conversation I had with a very close friend of mine who's a, a wonderful, wonderful man. His name's Jan, one of my best friends, actually. And, and he, one day, like, uh, he said to me, he said, Nick, what are you afraid of? Because he was, he kind of had the impression that I, because of my lifestyle, that I wasn't afraid of anything. And I, I said to him, uh, in fact, I didn't say to him, but look, I reflected on that conversation and I if we ever talk about it again, I'll, I'll say the exact same thing to him that you've just brought up, which is, yeah, man, I'm afraid of a lot of things just like everyone else, but I just, I choose not to focus on them. I choose not to let those fears like overcome 
or, or, or get larger and more powerful than my dreams and goals and, and the things I love about life. Yeah, I really like that. That's powerful. I really like yeah. that. And you know what? I also, I, I really like that you've taken, you know, the, the big chance to switch over the the podcast from being a jiu-jitsu podcast to a transitioning to, you know, like a life lifestyle podcast. I know, Thanks, I know it was hard because, you know, it, it'd be easy for you just to, you know, write off your, your great reputation, uh, everything you've built, you know, your, your following. And I know for sure, you know, in the beginning, you're going to lose some, you know, some subscribers and some followers. Sure. But I do think that in the long run, it'll, it'll be better for everyone, including yourself, because we all need to transition sometimes. I mean, like you've been doing jujitsu for like how many years now? 20 years. Yeah. yeah it's a, that's a long time, you know, and you know, if somebody wants to learn all about that, they can just go back and listen to the first, you know, you know, 10 years of, of 70, 70 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's there, you know, and sure. I think that's, oh, sure. but I also think that like the, for the people who want to kind of learn and grow and kind of get to the next stage, you know, that's when they kind of just keep following along. And I've been very fortunate that I've always had blogs. I've written, you know, so many books, even sometimes I, I look back on like the book I wrote, in 2000, what was it 2012 or 2013, 12 weeks in Thailand. And I kind of cringe because a lot of the book is about like going to parties, hooking up girls on the beach. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of childish. But at the same time, I'm really happy it's there because I guarantee there was a bunch of guys in their 20s, you know, you know, wanting to get out of their corporate jobs and normal life. And they're like, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to learn how to go to Thailand, live cheaply, party up on beaches and hook up with Swedish girls. And that's the mindset. Because if they asked me today to talk about it, I would say like, I, I don't want to talk about it. It's you know, it's, it's not. I'm not I'm interested. Sure. I'm sure. But there's a lot of lessons I learned that they're now ingrained in the book. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this. Funny enough, yesterday I was I was, I was talking to someone, and and he said, "Oh, I look back in the things I did, and the things I thought, and things that, the way I acted when I was 21, and I cringe." And I'm pretty sure there's not a person alive at 40 who doesn't look back on the things they did at 21 and cringe. You know, like we're you're, you're, an, you're iterating, you're constantly iterating yourself, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly improving and changing. And so that's, it's natural, right? I mean, if you look back on a computer from 20 years ago, it's kind of crappy or a car or most music and television. And it's, it's like, it's all, everything's evolving. So I, I don't think you should, you should beat yourself up for that. But I wanted to, there's a, a few things I really wanted to dive into with you today. The first one is, I think our job, uh, because of who we are and the nature of what we do, I, I think the most important role that we can play is, you know, you spoke about your buddy who he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't pull the trigger for whatever reason, right? Like, and I spoke to you once about, I had a, I have a friend as well who, who really wanted to go to Thailand and like he wanted to, he wanted to break out of his, his dreary uh, nine to five job. And I said to him, I, I was like, man, it's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult. Like you just save up 10 or 20 grand, you know, which isn't a huge amount of money. If you change your lifestyle and take on a few side hustles and you can get that kind of money and then just fucking go, just sell all your stuff or put some stuff in storage and just go. And it's like, I was telling you this. I remember I was relating the story to you and you just said, he'll never do it. And I realized, yeah, he, he will never do it, right? He'll never do it because there'll always be some excuse or there'll always be some fear. Or, and, and, and I guess instead of, instead of looking at these people with like frustration, 
how can what 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 can we tell them? What how can we get them to to step up and develop that little bit of courage that's needed to to be able to live a more passionate, more adventurous life? You know, I was thinking about this a lot, and I used to want to try to help everyone and try to almost kind of force people into happiness. You know, like I see a thirsty horse that's complaining about how thirsty he is, and I just want to force him to water and say, just freaking drink it. But I also realize now, like, maybe that's not my job. Like, maybe my, you know, what I can do is, you know, be a good role model, uh, document what has worked for me, what can work for others, you know, maybe interview successful people who've done it and have the information out there, you know, readily available, whether it's through podcasts like this or my YouTube channel, my blog. But if somebody doesn't want to do it, like just let them be like, just like, just let them be unhappy until they hit so rock bottom or they, you know, they finally decide for themselves that they're, they're you know, willing to do what it takes and then sure. they can come and join the journey. Sure. No, I, I totally agree. Joining you um, in, in the, in the talking points in the form you filled out for the show, you, you put one of them as um, living a life without stress or anxiety. And this is something again, is so important to me and it's tied into this, this idea of creating these positive states within myself because, you know, I, I'm tired of justifying it because there's so many people who don't believe in this kind of stuff, but I don't even believe I know that the vibration that you have, the energy that, or the frequency that you're resonating at determines your experience of life. If you're on a, on a high vibration, you attract positive people, circumstances, and events. And if you're on a lower vibration, you attract the equivalent. And for me, stress and anxiety as well are two things that are as far away on the spectrum from that positive vibration as possible. And I, I do everything I can to live without stress and anxiety. And I just wanted to know, what are, your, what are your tips for that? How do you do that? I would say the first is recognizing that it's, a, it's real. I mean, just, you know, it's hard to look into yourself, but just look at others, right? If you, if you look at people who think the world is against them, the world probably is against them and all their friends, you know, bad things probably happen to them. All their friends are probably the same. You know, it's, you know, it's like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy and you can call it, you know, vibrations, or you can call it energy, you can call it, you know, something that, you know, there's no word for, but it's, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's all around us. I mean, if you see someone who feels like they're always lucky and they just are very optimistic. Good things tend to happen to that person, and we might just kind of get sure. annoyed at that person how how often it happens. But at the same time, like we can't control it. By us hating on them, it's not helping our, our lives, especially if they just ignore us. I think we all know that one person who's super lucky all the time, and they're super optimistic about it. And it's, it's and you're like, there's no reason why they should be so optimistic. Yet things happen, you know, in that positive way. So what we can do is we can just take advantage of that and say, well. I don't know how it works. I don't know what's called, but I have two choices. I can either put that good energy out there and be, you know, open-minded to everything, you know, and and let the good energy come in, just kind of welcome it. Even if even knowing that, you know, I don't know if I have control over it or not, or by me being open-minded if it's going to do anything or not. But just sure. By doing it, it's almost like a no-lose situation. It doesn't cost us anything, and we have everything to gain. No, I, I totally agree. And I mean, so coming back to the eliminating stress and anxiety, what do you? How do you build your lifestyle so that those two things are 
minimized. And let's keep in mind that you have a very, I don't want to say unique set of circumstances, but a very rare set of circumstances. You have passive income streams and you're not paying child support to anyone and you don't go to a job that you, you hate and have to listen to a boss that you don't like. I mean, obviously it took a shit ton of work and effort and focus to get your life to that point. But can you think of any, any tips or, or strategies yeah. that people can implement? Yeah, a hundred percent because it didn't, you know, I didn't get lucky or it didn't accidentally come to me. I didn't wake up one day with no stress and passive income coming in. It was all planned. You know, I used to work a corporate job in California and I was always stressed. I mean, my, I, I looked older and was definitely more stressed when I was in my mid twenties working a corporate job, you know, being stuck in traffic every day, fighting for parking spots, you know, getting into arguments, you know, worried about money. And now I like 10 years later, I have no stress. I wake up every day when I want. Like I I only set an alarm clock if I want to go for like a hike or something. <laughs> like and I go to sleep when I want, you know, wake up when I want, I work when I want. And I really love my life. I, and I'm very happy to be able to say that. And I want everyone to be able to say that. I, you know, I want everyone to wake up every morning just excited for the day. And be like, all right, you know, I'm up. I'm excited. You know? And then you do what you like doing. And then you go, you, when you go to bed, you're fulfilled. You're just like, oh, that was a great day. Sure, sure. You know, I accomplished something. Yeah, I feel that, Johnny. That, that, that actually for me was a big turning point. Is it, it happened a, f- a couple of years ago for the first time. Is... I, I would wake up excited. I would be, I'd literally, that would be the first thought in my mind is I wonder what cool stuff life's going to bring today. And then, as you said, at the end of the evening, I'd be like, man, that was, that was cool. Uh, you know, that's tied into my, my gratitude journaling. It really helps you focus on, on that um, is seeing just all the cool things that happen because a lot of people, they don't, they don't notice these things. And so fewer of them st- happen. But when you really focus on on taking note, like that's that's one of my big action points for anyone I work with is like, man, you've got to start journaling at the end of the day so you can see just how many cool things life is bringing to you, right? Like just, so I really appreciate that. But again, I'm just looking for a specific, a specific thing. Like, is it? Yeah. So like specifically, I mean, I, I like how you had, you mentioned how did I build it and not how do I manage it? Because I think a lot of people, they, they make the mistake of trying to kind of manage the stress you know, and it's possible through, you know, doing things like meditation or, you know, even, you know, just trying to figure out ways like, okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, this hour to kind of, you know, relax. So I, you know, like I don't let the the stress overcome me or I don't let the negativity overcome me, you know, or like, you know, I'll, I'll do this mantra, whatever it is. But for me, it's much better just not have in the first place. So <laughs> what I do is I realize most stress comes from money, right? And if you think the solution is to make more money, you're probably wrong <laughs> because I think everybody tries that. And the more money they make, the more stressed they actually become. Either you're, you have more responsibilities, you're working harder, you know, you're paying more taxes, you know, you're just, you have more risk or, you know, there's, there's to earn more money. There's always something that comes with it that usually adds some stress. Sure. So for me, I like just keeping my expenses as low as possible and kind of finding a point where I'm comfortable. Cause if you're not comfortable, I mean, you know, if you're homeless or if you're, you know, your car's breaking down all the time or you're like, there's stress involved yeah, with that. Yeah. Right. If you're living in a bad neighborhood, you're like commuting. Yeah. That adds stress as well. So for me, it's just finding that perfect balance. So I'm like, okay, sure. I want to live in the city center where I can walk everywhere. Cause I like walking. And for me, 
as soon as I wake up, if I could just walk outside, I, you know, I don't have to wait for a bus. I don't have to get into a car, drive in traffic. You know, I can just walk to the gym or to a coffee shop to work. That is a nice way to wake up. And just that walk itself relieves stress. You know, and doesn't and more importantly, doesn't add stress. So mm-hmm. location for me is very, very important. And then second, I'll always live in a place that's pretty comfortable, but isn't above my means. So I will never spend more than 25% of my monthly income on rent. You know, and whether that's a mortgage or rent or an Airbnb or hotels, whatever it is, I keep my expenses mm-hmm. low. And that's why I choose to live in kind of cheaper places. That's why I don't live in San Francisco anymore or even in LA. Sure. Because there, you know, you're spending two or three thousand dollars on minimum, you know. So that means you have to make, you know, at least eight thousand or ten thousand after tax, you know, or even before tax. Which means you got to work like a forty or fifty or sixty hour week. It's at a high stress job, which, you know, and then it just compounds it, and then you start buying stuff to make yourself feel better, and then that means you your lifestyle expenses go up, and it just turns into this this cycle, man. And I, I really love what you've you've adopted this minimalistic lifestyle and I, I try to do the same. I try to eliminate as much as I can. You know, I always think before I buy something, what is the true, what is the true cost of this? You know, what is the cost of my life energy? Because that, that is truly what I, this, a very interesting author put this in a way that really hit home for me, which is that money is concentrated life energy, right? Like you go work at a job, you give your time and your and your focus and your attention, your life energy, and then your boss or if you're in a business, your customers give you some of their life energy back in the form of money, and then you you put that in your bank account or whatever. That's and that's concentrated life energy, right? And now when I'm I see something cool that I want to buy, like a little gadget or like whatever it might be, or I just think to myself, what is the true cost? How much of my life energy is this thing costing, and am I willing to trade it for it? Yeah, and very often the answer is no, right? Yeah, and, and that's a, another really good point. Is I think the other the other thing that keeps me very stress free is I don't own very much anymore. I've been traveling, you know, with just one big kind of suitcase for the last couple of years. That helped a lot, you know, not having a, a pocket full of stuff. I remember I used to get so stressed every year moving apartments, and even though I, I would plan to stay in a place for you know three or four years, it seemed like every year or two I would end up moving. And I would have so mm-hmm. much stuff. It would take you know a week or two to pack. I'd have to rent a U-Haul. I'd have to move everything, buy new furniture, buy new you know new appliances, decorate stuff. And it was kind of fun because you feel like you know you're you're making progress. But at the same time, it it was really just adding stress, both financially but mentally, sure. and time stress. And now I just check into a different Airbnb every month. So you know and. You know, every two weeks I'll call a house. You know, I'll have them come send a house cleaner. So my, I never like I haven't had to buy furniture or pay a utility bill, or you know have to decorate or do anything in years now. Mm-hmm. I got to, I've got to, um, got to talk about the other other side just to keep it balanced. I feel that you and I are two of the few people, few a small number of people in the world that are qualified to have this conversation because, man, you and I have both fucking walk the walk people talk about like the digital nomad lifestyle and stuff and they they go on a three-month trip to thailand and they think they're a digital nomad dude and like nah you mean you've been doing this for close to what it must be close to 10 years that you've been living in location independent lifestyle i did it for five years where i literally had two suitcases 
or a suitcase and a backpack. And that was all I owned. And I didn't stay in any one place for more than three months, right? But you've also had the other side where you've lived in LA and had the full-on corporate lifestyle and the three cars and the whole deal. And you said something to me once, which really stuck out to me. You said that you you buy your clothes all the same color and style so that you don't have to think about what what you have to wear in the morning. And that little removal of that little decision removes a lot of wasted energy and energy that is freed up to help develop in, uh, your lifestyle and build your goals, right? Yeah. I, actually, I think that was Steve Jobs. <laughs> was it really? Okay. Yeah, but I actually make sure my... Like the couple shirts and pants that I do own all match each other. So so I don't have to try to match anything. Grab a shirt, grab some shorts, and I'm done. No, that that's tied into, you know, I've realized that one of the ways that you we can become successful in life is to create cool stuff, whether it's podcasts or products or cool services or just create good stuff to put out into the world. And uh, or a business, whatever it may be, it, it requires creative energy. And, and it's my understanding now, it took me a long time to get this wisdom that the most successful creative people, the most productive creative people, they use routines because routines free up mental energy. When you When you can just wake up in the morning and you know, I wake up in the morning, I put on my blue jeans and my black t-shirt and I walk to the fridge and I make three eggs, a three egg omelet and whatever. And then I sit down and I do my journal or I sit down and I write or whatever it is. These routines free up our mental energy because we're not having to, to make choices, right. And, and waste energy on that. And, you know, that's the thing with the, with the digital or the location independent lifestyle that you're a champion of. That's actually the reason I had to stop it is I realized that that constant changing of my environment and the, the constant flights and the getting over jet lag and the getting used to new places and the waking up not knowing where you are in the middle of the night and just, it's exciting as hell. There's no doubt about it. And I had a shit ton of fun doing it. I would never give up that five years for anything. But I'm at the point now where it, I, I don't actually want that anymore. Even this weekend, I just went and did a Toro Jiu-Jitsu seminar in Kansas City, which was great. Was, you know, I had fun. But I noticed that just those, this like two or three days either side of that trip, it was a short trip, but it cost, it was a two day trip, but it cost me six, six days because I'd had to, had to plan for the trip. And then you spend one day going to the airport and the travel and everything. And you get back and your routine's broken, right? And it, it's, it's like, you have to kind of get to that equilibrium again. And I'm just wondering, how do you deal with this? What's your, what's your solution for that? So what I've been doing, and, and I absolutely agree, like, people don't think that a one hour flight or a two hour flight is that big of a deal. It is your whole freaking day. It is yeah. after it, it. It's, it's stress. Like it's stress on your body, your mind, and it, you lose so much productivity, you know, just, just the fact sure. of checking into a new place, trying to figure out where the grocery store is or the bank, you know, or your, the gym is or coffee shops are. Yeah, I guess it's fun, but at the same time, it's, it's stressful. But at the same time, I think that, I think I get kind of bored being in one place for you know a long time, and also when my life becomes stagnant, and if I if I know if I have a place for a year, I will buy stuff. I will buy furnishings. I'll buy new big you know monitors. I'll buy speaker systems. I'll, I'll like I'll buy stuff because I'm like All right, I'm here for a year. Why not? And by moving every few months, it really forces me not to buy anything, and also. It keeps it exciting, but 
at the same time, I don't, I don't waste too much time. So what I do now is I make sure I stay in each apartment for at least a month, if not two months or longer. Uh, that way, it's kind of a good balance of the two. And I also won't change time zones more than you know once every you know three to six months. That way, I'm not losing you know that week that that stress. And honestly, sure. I almost kind of wish I didn't even have to fly back to the U.S. or I didn't have to fly to Asia or, or to Europe because bouncing between those three, you know, is really really painful. It's exhausting, man. That's yeah, it's extremely difficult, especially as you get older. Like a good friend of mine. He said to me, he said, jet lag just ruins me. And that really stuck with me because I realized it's the same for me. Like a transatlantic flight or a trans-Pacific flight is, it takes so much out of your body, man. And really like, I'm I'm not right for a few days, maybe even a week yeah, after a no, transatlantic true. flight. It really is true. Yeah. You know, so basically what I, what I do now is I will check into a place and I'll stay there for a good two months. And that way... You know, yeah, maybe I waste a day checking in, finding a gym, finding coffee shops, but it's also kind of exciting. It, you know, it changes it up. And then for those two months, I have a routine. Here, I'm currently in Tbilisi, Georgia, and I just arrived, you know, maybe two weeks ago. And yeah, the first week was kind of all over the place. But what I did was I joined a gym, I found a place, a great coffee shop to work from. Now I wake up, I don't have to think about what to do, where to go. I just grab my bag. I walk, you know, I do the 15 minute walk to the gym. I put in my headphones and listen to a podcast or actually now I'm, I'm learning Russian. So I'm, I'm you know, walking and listening to this, you know, Polruski podcast and, you know, this uh, audiobook. And I get to the gym, I put my stuff down and there's a cafe in the gym overlooking the city. I have, you know, I sit there for two hours, have two coffees, do all my work. I'm already in the gym. So I work out. And after the the gym, grab some food, go home. And I'm like, okay, that was a good productive day. I worked, I exercised, I had a walk, I learned, you know, uh, part of a new language. Now for the rest of the day, I can just do whatever I want. I can relax, I can watch Netflix, I can go out for dinner. And because I'm also in a new city, on the weekends, I can go for a hike in the, you know, Georgian mountains. I can go to wine tasting out like all the really, really nice, like, wine fields out here it's it's like i'm close to an adventure without having to get into a sure onto a plane or something so for me it's kind of a a good mix of both yeah you mentioned mentioning the the mix of both with regards to lifestyle i'm I'm at the point now where i actually want it all johnny i want to have a bigger house i don't need a mansion but i want a, a big a big house that's like my my castle you know like my my fortress, the place where I can host people, where the, all the people who have been so kind to me and looked after me over the years can come and stay when they want a vacation in the States. Like, I, I want a really, I mean, I have a good, a decent home now, but I want a, I want a really nice home base. And I, I want to start enjoying the finer things in life now. You know, I want to, I actually want to buy some nice speakers and I want to have a, a nice couch. And I've, got, I've gone all the way through and come out the other side where like I, I would like some possessions now. I do, however, get that they can very quickly trap you. And I guess I'm, I'm, you know, as I said at the beginning of this little rant, I want it all, you know, so I'm, I don't buy things that I can't afford. I don't use credit to purchase things. There's something I found a fascinating little life tip, which is this guy says, uh, he's a, he's a, a wealth author. He says, if you have to think about whether you can afford something, you can't afford it. He said, if you go, go buy, if you go into the store to buy a pack of gum, you don't think about whether you can afford the pack of gum. You just buy it, right? And you want to be at the point where like, if you want to buy a $1,200 set of speakers, 
$1,200 is not an amount that you have to think about, right? And that really stuck with me because that, that's the solution, right? That's the solution. You don't buy things that, that you can't afford, right? Because that's, that's what gets you into the trap, right? Whether it's your monthly rent or whether it's a car or whatever it is, just don't buy things that you can't afford. And if you want nicer things, then you have to start, you have to make more money. And that's, uh, ties into the next thing that I want to discuss with you, which is one of the talking points you put on your form is buying income producing assets instead of liabilities. Can you, I know you've got a very successful show, which is called invest like a boss. It's actually one of your shows that I haven't listened to. And, and I want to start listening to because I'm becoming more and more interested in investing. Can you tell me a little bit about, about your own investment strategies and, and the assets that you purchase and, and how you're, you're doing that? Yeah. So if anyone hasn't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I would highly recommend reading the book. I don't really like any of his new stuff, but that book itself was, it was like a real kind of game changer. Yeah. yeah. And it was by Robert Kiyosaki. And the big kind of principle I took away from it is when you spend your money, I mean, your hard earned money. And as you had mentioned earlier, the trick is to be able to just have enough money where you don't have to think about it, you could buy it. But at the same time, now that I'm finally at a point where I can technically afford most things, you know, I, that was never that was never where I was before. I remember I wanted to buy, and this almost sounds ridiculous now, I wanted to buy a $3,500 car. It was a Mazda Miata. And, you know, to most people, they're like, oh, that's so cheap. Like, you know, just just buy it. But at the time, you know, at the time, I was, I had no cash, right? I had to like basically, I was thinking, all right, well, if I wait for my next paycheck, or if I wait for the next three paychecks, you know, like I should have enough left over to buy it. And I remember buying the car the day before my bonus even cleared, which is stupid because there's a chance, you know, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have gotten it, or it would have been less than I thought. And it was always me trying to think of ways of making it work, like, oh, I can make this payment work, or yeah, it'll. It, it'll be okay. You know, I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I'll get a, um, I'll go to the credit union, get a, get a temporary loan to buy the car. Then I'll sell the car and then pay back off. But what ends up happening is sure. you realize like the amount you thought you could sell the car for is way high. Nobody wants to buy the car <laughs> or you end up wanting to keep all three, which is the trap I fell in when I was living in LA. And now I, ever since I started buying investments and you know whether it's stocks or index funds or real estate investments or funds whatever it is i get so mm-hmm. excited about it to me it's almost the same as shopping for a new car or shopping for clothes or buying the latest gadget on amazon it's still shopping and i like shopping i think it's fun you know i like researching things i like making decisions i like clicking purchase i like the excitement sure me too i think we all do mm-hmm. the only difference is now instead of me buying the new C8 Corvette which is an amazing car. And I'm like, oh, I would have really liked to buy this. You know, it starts at 60 grand. It's actually really good value. <laughs> Instead of me going out and buying that, even though I, I technically could afford it, I, ha- you know, I, I literally have 60 grand sitting in a savings account right now. Instead of buying that, I will spend 60 grand buying a, you know, shares of an index fund, you know, which is the, the whole stock market in, in a low cost fund or, a fraction of an apartment building through some kind of online real estate fund. And to me, it, it's the same process of shopping, researching, you know, getting excited, buying it, maybe even telling your friends, you know, talking about it. But the difference mm-hmm. is instead of having a depreciating asset, which is a car or clothes, you know, and 
people don't think about this, but whatever you buy, whether it's speakers or a new TV or monitor or car, it is losing money really quick. I mean, have you ever tried sure. selling something that you bought? You know, yeah. like it, like yeah. you go to what you sell on Craigslist or you on a garage sale, like usually you just end up giving them away. But the difference is when you buy something that's actually an asset, it usually never loses value. And if it does, it, you know, normally it goes back up. And it instead of costing you money, it actually makes you money. So if you buy a thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars worth of, worth an index fund and it pays on average eight percent a year, you still have that sixty thousand dollar you know thing you bought, but it's also giving you money every month. And to me, it is I mean it's become a new shopping addiction or ha- or, or hobby where I'll make money and I'll I'll buy these things and all of a sudden now I have all these little kind of minions making me money. So sure. even if I stop working, I still have dividends coming in. I still have you know stock growth coming in, and I have at least now two thousand dollars a month coming in just from completely passive income, and that's enough that's wonderful. for me yeah. to support myself. You know, in most places in the world. Sure, it sounds like you've developed um, what they refer to as a positive addiction, right? Like they say, you can exercise. If you're addicted to exercise, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing because it has so many positive benefits. And I know what you're talking about. That you you said something to me which uh, really stuck out, and it was on one of your Facebook posts. You didn't say it to me. You said you got addicted to ordering stuff on Amazon, and I get that. It's it's this weird little. It's obviously doing some something to your the reward system in your brain, you get this little dopamine release when you, you go on Amazon and you research something and you, you order it. And then it's like, it's like you're sending yourself presents, you know, like then this little box comes in the mail and it's this little gift you've yeah, sent yourself. Like Christmas. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little Christmas every day. Right. But I, look, man, at the end of the day, I think ultimately it comes down to me. I'm at the point now where it's, it's balanced, you know, like I've lived with nothing, and I've also been tied down to, to things. And I'm at the point where it's, it's a kind of a middle ground. And I, I respect you for still staying so far on the edge, dude. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I often wonder how much longer you can keep doing it for, for a couple of reasons. I think it gets harder on the body as you get older. And, you know, you and I are not, we're not as young as we used to be. But also what I think about Johnny is, you know, I'm, I've got this beautiful wife now who I absolutely adore, dude. She is just the absolute light of my life. And I've got these two, we got these two little pets, these little kitties who like, I would not give them up for anything in the world. They just brought so much joy into my life. And this is this idea of having this place that I can come back to and, and knowing that there's this little part of the world where there's people that love me and that, you know, I've, I've got kind of, Roots isn't the right word, but but there's just like a there's like a a bit of stability and there's a bit of like ground beneath my feet. Man, I I couldn't give that up now, man. It's well, I I probably could if you held a gun to my head, but I don't want to. And I just I just think for you is is that the long term plan or like are you are you just going to keep like drifting around the world forever or what what are you going to do? So if you asked me two years ago, I would have said, like, I'm going to do this for six more months and, you know, and it's going to be done. And I kept, you know, as time went on, the longer I did it, the more I was like, okay, I really want stability. I want to have a home to call my, you know, my own. I want to be able to have a dog. And I know having a dog would make me happy. I know having a place and, you know, having 
some things, you know, for my hobbies would make me happy. Sure. And actually the, the big pivotal moment that changed it all was I went to date with destiny, the Tony Robbins conference. Mm-hmm. It was a you know expensive seminar. It was like five thousand dollars. I had to fly to Florida from Thailand. It was it ended up costing me like eight grand. But mm-hmm. the big, I mean, there's so many takeaways that it's I'm almost doing it injustice saying you know what I learned from it because I, I think it's one of those things that people just have to go and kind of figure it out for themselves because it's mm-hmm. seven days of of stuff. But one of the one of the many things that that I took away from it is the concept of needing the balance between either certainty or uncertainty where the reason mm-hmm. why I desperately wanted a home base or a home or, you know, a place to live permanently at, you know, was because I didn't have enough certainty in my life. I wasn't a place where I can feel comfortable and call home and know that was my rock. Know that I had friends there, recognize the place, be able to have my stuff. Yet the reason why we get bored once we have that, you know, especially after a few years is because we need that we have also the counter need of uncertainty of, you know, new excitement, having everything, you know, having things be different and exciting. And that's why people, you know, feel like they need to go on vacation when they you know, normally have a normal job and work all the time. Yet digital nomads who travel too much, we get burnt out and we're like, oh, sh- you know, <laughs> like I don't want to see another plane for a year. I want to just stay sure. in, you know, or maybe sometimes people are like, I don't want to see another plane for the rest of my life. I just want to stay in one place. <laughs> yeah. We have too much uncertainty and we, we need that balance of certainty. What I've taken away from that, you know, in the last two years, I've balanced the two much better now. Where now, you know, I, I create certainty for myself. And what is that? What does that look like, that certainty? So for me, you know, instead of staying places for like a week at a time or a few days at a time, you know, I always stay in places for two months at a time. I'll stay in nicer Airbnbs that have like a proper couch, has like a proper flat screen TV so I can plug in my Netflix. I'll join, you know, like a proper gym instead of trying to find places to work from or I mean, work out from. And same as work, I'll either join a co-working space or have like a good place where I know I can go every day, leave my laptop there and go to the bathroom and not have to worry about it going missing. So... Mm-hmm, Those mm-hmm. little things make certainty, you know. Also with friends yeah. or relationships, you know, I started you know dating people kind of lo- you know longer term and having kind of more serious relationships and traveling with them. I was dating a mm-hmm. girl, uh, my, the most recent girl I was dating, and you know, unfortunately, like it, it didn't work out. But we would just meet each other in you know in different countries. You know, uh, like she would she was you know giving me Thailand and says, okay, like let's let's meet there. She's gonna be in Malaysia, okay, like, let's meet there. She's going to you know, be here, let's meet there. And that way you have this kind of ongoing relationship. And same with friends. You know, uh, I think one of the reasons why I'm okay here in Georgia, even though you know it's my first time in this country, is I have friends who I knew from Chiang Mai who are also here. You know, lit- Literally, one of my buddies, uh, Matt Bowles, is going to be moving into my extra room here uh, next week. <laughs> That's cool. So I have that certainty of friendship, someone I can count on, someone I can talk to, someone I can trust. And I think that's, you know, for me, those are kind of the big things. Yeah, you know, I, I would still love to have a dog. I would still love to have room, you know, for, you know, some like sports equipment or something. But at the same time, for me, I know every time we buy something or we have something, we're also sacrificing something, whether it's freedom, sure, sure. money, or... And you're right, where we, can, we could buy stuff. And, and I'm sure I would be happier with you know buying 
like a nice surround sound speakers. And ironically, I, you know, I used to work at an electronics store in the audio department. So even in my, my parents' uh, house, I had like a 7.1 surround sound system. <laughs> and I'm sure it drove them sure. nuts, but I loved it. It was like a big part of my life. Now, I honestly don't think I... Like when I watch a movie, like, yeah, it'd be nicer to have nicer speakers. But I honestly don't care that much. I, I think I enjoy... I enjoy the movie like, you know, 98%, right? Like the, that last couple sure. percent, like, ah, whatever. Like it's not, like, it's really not that big of a deal to me. Yeah, I, to- I totally and get it. It's not it. worth the, the, the trade-off of what I would have to pay for it. Not just with money, but with time and with... Life energy, yeah. right? And I mean, there's something that I, that I always keep. It's one of these little guiding principles, which is... It's a, it's a study which showed that people who spend their money on experiences are far happier than people who spend their money on things. And that always stuck with me. And it seems to me that you really, you are the epitome of that, man. And you, you really have gained all that experience. And also, you know, this, this conversation that we're having is, is different because we're getting older, right? Like if there's a, the, to the 28 year old guys listening to this, this craving for stability and stuff doesn't really or certainty, it, it isn't as powerful. I mean, you can, you can, when you're younger, you, you don't need it as much as you need it as you get older, you know, and, and people can go live in, I mean, if I was 25, I'd, dude, I'd definitely be in Thailand now, or I'd be in South America or somewhere with like just a backpack, definitely. But as you get older, it's a little bit harder. So, yeah, but at the same time, I don't want people thinking like, oh, like, oh, I'm young, I don't have these problems, you know, like no, those are old people problems. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's something that, it's something to be aware of, even if you're 21 listening to this, where it doesn't happen to you in the first place. Like, just know that even though you have a higher tolerance for not having, you know, certainty or, or you know, or, or these kind of these things that you might need, it doesn't mean it's not negatively affecting your life. It just means that you're either less aware that it's happening to you you know, sure. you're recovering from it faster. Like jet lag. Or you're creating a debt that's going to have to be paid in the future yeah, on some level. Definitely. You know, or you're going to age faster or you're going to, you know, you're going to be financially, you know, more screwed or, you know, like even hitting like, you know, let's say you're like 19. Yeah. You can hop on a plane, you know, sit in the, the middle seat for 18 hours, go straight from there to the food boot party, party for three days, two <laughs> drugs, not sleep. And you'll probably recover pretty quick. <laughs> you know, within a few days, you'll be like, right, sure. I'm good. But at the same time, yeah. what, you know, like, did it, like, did it do damage to you? Did it take away some time off your life? Is it going to, you know, probably like financially <laughs> hit you, stress you out? Yeah. You just don't notice it because you're, yeah. you know, you're having fun. Sure. Johnny, man, what a, what a pleasure chatting to you, my brother. Really, it's, um, it's, 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 it's good that we keep in touch. I know we don't always see each other or it's very seldom that we see each other now because of our vastly different lifestyles. And, you know, you, I'm in the States pretty much full time now and you're still, still out on your adventures, but that's a sign of true friendship is you can leave it, leave it for a year or two and then pick up. And it's, it's just where it was when it, when it left off, you know, coming back to the big, the first part of our conversation is do not mistake what was it? Do not mistake history for connection. It really feels like you and I have a, a true connection, which is something I, I value, man. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I really do love you like a brother. Same, bro. I know you said it to me once. You said you said when we met, like I knew we were going to be brothers for a long time. And I always remember that. I know it, 
it sometimes hasn't been easy because I've diverged with the ayahuasca path and all that stuff. And I know that kind of freaked you out a little bit back in the day, but yeah, dude, we've, it's been, we've worked at it and we've, we've stayed friends, dude. And it's, yeah. And you know, we all go through our journeys. Like I've, I've had friends, you know, stick with me through like all sorts of like, you know, side paths I've taken, but I, you know, as long as they, you know, each other as the core person, like that doesn't change, you know, our hobbies might change, our hairstyle might change, you know, the things that we're pursuing might change. Like I was a hardcore vegetarian for, for six months for half a year. And, you know, my friends made, made fun of me on it, <laughs> but uh-huh. You know, at the end of the day, but they were still your friends. Yeah, they're still my friends, yeah. and yeah, I I think that's kind of the the same thing. You know, we all kind of go on on paths, thinking like, all right, we got to find our own truth, and sometimes we find it, and we realize, you know what? Yeah, I'm glad I went on that because I'm a better person yeah. now. Or sometimes you're like, oh, sure. that was a waste of six months, <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's a journey, not a destination, and most of the joy is in that that search, right? Like looking for things. That's where you stumble upon new ideas and meet new people and bring fresh energy into your life. And it's, it's never wasted, man. That the seek, the art of, or, or the act of searching is, is never wasted time or energy. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that the, my biggest fear is waking up, you know, two years from now, or even two months from now and realize, Oh, I haven't done anything, you know, and that used to happen a sure. lot when I was, kind of close to sure. school or working full time yeah. like months or years are passed. I'm like, Oh, I, have, I haven't actually done anything. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not in any better shape. I don't have any more money. I, I don't have any more significant uh, experiences or relationships. Like mm-hmm. what did I just mm-hmm. like, what did I do? Like I watched some TV, like I played some yeah. games. I, you know, I hung out. I went to the same bar. <laughs> like what did I yeah. actually do this last year? And if the answer is nothing, Man, like that's a huge waste because that's not that's time we're not getting back. Sure, it, it's it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite movies. It's a truly, truly guiding principle for me, which um, is this is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. You know, whenever I'm doing something that I feel is a waste of time or energy, that quote pops up into my head, and it it pretty much forces me to go do something better. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we do have to go through kind of, you know, I don't say like mundane routines, but like sometimes, you know, you have to work, right? Like, you know, you, not sure, every of course. Your, your day is exciting and fun, nor should it be. But at the same time, as long as we're kind of working towards something that's either making a difference or... Yes, as long as you're working towards something. Exactly right. I, I totally agree. Johnny, uh, the, there are going to be people who want to reach out to you. I know if you're listening to this and you're, you want to live a more exciting, adventurous life. You owe it to yourself to check out Johnny's work, to read his books, which are fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed them. And also go check out his blog. It's at johnnyfd.com. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and that's the easiest way to reach me. If you, got, if you want to know kind of the full details of the journey and how to do it yourself, the two books are 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life and the Cheap. And the second book is Life Changes Quick. Yeah, and they're both great. I thoroughly enjoy them. I've recommended them to many people. Yeah. So I want to give everyone uh, some homework right now. Is before you go to bed tonight, I want you to be you no. Know, when you go to bed tonight, I want you to be proud of something you did to make your life a little bit better. And if there there hasn't been anything so far, just go do like twenty push ups because you'll you'll go you go to sleep fulfilled. You'll be like, yeah, you know, at least I did something to kind of bring my life closer to my goals and closer to, be, to being optimal. So. You know, pause this podcast. Go do as many pushes as you can to failure. You, you'll feel you'll feel good about it. You know, if you haven't been to the gym already today. 
I love it. I love it. Johnny, my brother, a thousand blessings on you. Yeah, you too, buddy. Good talking. Another thing that I appreciate about Johnny is his openness and his honesty. You know, he's chosen to live his life from that that place of authenticity. And I like to think I've done the same. I don't always get it right. You know, we don't, because of the nature of the world we live in, you can't always be as open about things as you want to. But, but Johnny makes a real big effort to do so. And it, it really shows, you know, when you see him and when you interact with him, you just know this guy's got no airs or graces. He's not trying to, he's not trying to pretend to be something he isn't. And I really love that about him. And he really is an example of someone who, you know, he's obviously a smart guy, but he's not a genius. And he isn't, I wouldn't say he's got any super standout skills or anything like that. And yet using uh, a little bit of ingenuity and a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of willpower, he was able to create and engineer an incredible lifestyle for himself. I mean, if you go on his site, johnnyfd.com, you see some of the stuff he's done. I mean, he really has got, he has got it all. A lot of people say that you have to compromise to have the, the lifestyle you want, or you have to compromise to have a successful business. And if you, if you want to make money, then you, then you've got to quit um, enjoying yourself and quit having freedom. Or if you want to be free, you have to let go of the idea of having money. And Johnny's shown that, no, you can have it all if you do it correctly. And that's one of the big things behind my Liberation Mentor Project, behind the show, behind the work that I'm doing with individuals, is that I really believe that in the modern age, in, the, in this amazing world that we live in, if you're smart about it and you know how to go about it, you can have it all. And if you are interested in having more and having it all, and you want to work with me in a private capacity, as I said at the beginning of the show, head on over to liberationmentor.com and perhaps we can work together. Hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. I really feel like I'm hitting my stride with the show now. You know, this is actually the fifth podcast I've been involved in. The first one was London Real. Things didn't end well with that because uh, of a bunch of reasons that I won't get into now. And then I started one called The Journey. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but my my partner started to get ill and he was unable to continue. Then I started Digital Communion, which was another project that I thoroughly enjoyed with my friend Thomas. And Thomas got busy with, uh, he had two twin, he had a set of twins and the demands of fatherhood were just too much for him to be able to continue doing the show. And then I started the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood podcast, which actually was very successful. We got to about 70 episodes and uh, it it was really, really good. But... I felt that towards the end, I was running out of energy and running out of things to talk talk about jiu-jitsu related. And so um, this new one, uh, Liberation Mentor, it really feels like it's all come together now. It feels like I've paid a lot of my dues in this podcast game and that it's starting to pay off because you guys are clearly getting something out of it. And that's, that's what it's all about. I just want to be putting good energy out into the world. And... If you guys are enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes and please share it where you can. Like if you're listening on on your phone, take a snapshot of a screenshot of the the show and put it on Instagram or put it on your Facebook. That always helps out. Guys, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a fantastic week and you take action to creating the life of your dreams. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.